Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 19th of July, 2015. Well, I dusted off the equipment and I can tell that I'm a little rusty. And it's been a while since I've put out a show because I started yapping. And then luckily it was only about maybe 30 seconds or so. And I noticed, oh boy, the recorder's not on. So luckily I didn't just yap and yap and yap and then get to the end and say, uh-oh. So anyway... Uh, it's been Like I said, it's been a while since I have put out a show, and part of it was we were on vacation for part of the time. We went to Hawaii. We actually went to Oahu for about a week or so, and when we got back from there, my daughter had kind of had this little nagging cough, and we had been taking some medicine, but man, it was just this illness just lasted forever, and uh, you know, you get kind of frustrated and stressed out and all that when your kid's sick for so long. But luckily, she's better now. In fact, she's uh, off at a Girl Scout camp. And it's kind of odd not to have her around. It's funny, you know, when your kid goes on a sleepover or something like that and you walk by their room at night and you're like, holy crap, where are they? Oh, yeah, they're gone. You know, they're over at their friend's house or they're at a camp or they're doing whatever. But uh, anyway, I had some time, so I thought I'd go ahead and belt out a show for you guys today. Uh, I do have a story for you about something that happened in uh, on Oahu, and I'll get to that here in a few minutes. Um, on the last show, just a little bit of follow-up, we talked about going out to uh, out to the desert uh, with with my daughter and kind of how we like to shoot and how we like to do stuff. And so, with her. There are a couple of ranges here that will let uh, little kids go in. Mo- a lot of them won't, um, just for like liability reasons and things like that. Uh, but there are a few that do. I don't want to take her into a uh, an indoor range at this point. Uh, for me, there's just there's too much stuff going on. There's there's too much noise. There's too much activity. There's too many things that could distract. Um, also it's, you, you can't be as, as loose and do some of the things maybe that you would like to do in that indoor range setting. 
and that's not to say that you would be unsafe or anything, but you know, you can't just say, well, let's just, you know, let's take a break. Or if they're saying like, oh man, these, you know, these headphones are kind of hurting my ears. You can't say, okay, well, let's just put the guns down and we'll take a water break and we'll, uh, you know, or a snack break or we'll, we'll sort of do whatever. We'll get the earphones off of your head and kind of let your ears air out there, you know, for lack of a better term. Uh, but anyway, the places I've taken her is either we'll go out to the desert or there's um, what I'll call an open range where there's no safety officers. So it's a public range and everything and anybody can go, but there's no safety officers there. And they've got a couple of rifle uh, bays, I guess, for lack of a better word, and like two or three pistol bays. And and uh, it's, it's very, very safe there. Everybody, I've never seen anybody acting stupid or acting the fool there. So, uh, but anyway, we've gone there. And, um, we've also gone out to the desert. So anyway, that's, uh, what some of our feedback is about today. And this is from Dan out in Philadelphia and Dan writes in, hi, Tony, sounds like you did everything right. Taking your daughter out shooting. Here are some of the things that I like to do with new shooters. Some tips for taking kids or new shooters. Number one, go to a place with little to no other shooters, preferably outdoors. Number two, leave the big guns at home or in the vehicle. Focus on 22. If you have access to a suppressor, use it and keep it on the whole time. If you don't have a suppressor, use earplugs and wear earmuffs over the earplugs. Number four, red dots help the shooter for success instead of failure if they can't quite figure out proper sight alignment. Number five, reactive targets are best. Things like soda cans and balloons, animal crackers, cookies, and even steel plates. Number six, as important as safety is, don't be so overbearing as to turn off the person from the fun of actual shooting. Number seven, if you think they would be excited to shoot something cool looking, bring it out to the range. So something like a Smith & Wesson M&P 1522 versus a Ruger 1022 with a 10 round mag, or a custom 1911-22 versus an old dusty HR revolver. Number eight, don't overwhelm the new shooter with too many choices. It's easy to bring out a bunch of 22 firearms, but you really just need a few to keep it simple. A rifle or two and maybe one handgun. Number nine, for very young kids or people very sensitive to sounds, look into the CCI Quiet, Aguila uh, Colibri, I think I got that pronounced right, or Super Colibri Rounds. Now, they won't cycle semi-autos, but they are very pleasant to shoot for new people. They are fun in a cricket or revolvers or a bolt action. And if you need to, you can hand cycle any semi-autos. All right, Dan, thanks for sending that in. Any uh, other feedback you have, always feel free to go ahead and write in and, uh, and I'll share it with the rest of our audience here. So a lot of good stuff there. And a lot of that stuff, you know, I do with my daughter. There are a few other things that I would add to that. And one of them is, you know, listen to what you're, especially if it's a kid or your kid, listen to what they're telling you. So if they're telling you that they're getting tired, if they're telling you that it's like, it's too hot or it's too cold or it's too, you know, whatever, or they're thirsty or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Take a break. Don't push it. Don't make it to where it becomes a real drag for them to go out there. Cause then they're not going to want to go back with my daughter. I don't, 
I don't push her and, and I'm not on her like every every week and I say, oh, do you want to go shooting? You want to go shooting? Oh, come on. Well, just go with me even though you don't want to do it. I generally will wait for her to bring it up. And a lot of times she'll she'll say something like on a Thursday, let's say, oh, can we go shooting this weekend? And sometimes, unfortunately, we, we already have stuff planned or, or she's already got stuff that she's got to do. And, you know, so sometimes I have to say, oh, no, but we'll go. And even then, like when next weekend rolls around, if she doesn't want to go, I'm not going to force her. Um, but she likes it. She likes shooting. She, we always, I always try and use some type of reactive targets. I think I, I probably mentioned it on last week's show, but what we'll do is we'll go to the dollar store and we will, uh, pick up things like, uh, pudding cups or eggs or applesauce. And then we'll go out and we'll set those up. And so she'll have some reactionary targets. What we'll also do is we'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take just some paper targets, but what we're using instead of, you know, just bullseye targets or anything. Cause I don't care about how accurate she is. I just want her to have fun. We'll get like a, uh, I've got an old coloring book that was an old Christmas coloring book. So it's got like elves and snowmen and you know, all sorts of things on there. And so what we'll do is we'll play a game where, you know, I can tell her, okay, you try and shoot, you know, the reindeer's foot or try and shoot that elf in the nose. Or, and then she'll try and tell me where to shoot. You know, well, you shoot, you know, this part. Or, or sometimes we'll even take some of the crayons and we'll color certain things and say, well, like, try and hit the green, you know, the, the, the green ornament or try and hit, you know, the green present or something like that. So, and anyway, and those are super cheap. You know, you can get like a, like I said, at the dollar store, it's only a buck. So. Uh, but anyway, thanks for sending that in, Dan, again. Now, one of the things that I think is a, is a, well, there's like a bunch of stuff there, but one of the things that I thought was a really good idea was a suppressor is having something like that. Um, my wife is kind of sensitive to the, to the sound of firearms and stuff. And so even with, you know, having earplugs and the uh, earmuffs on it's you know it's still it can still be kind of loud and what would be nice uh, although i don't have one but it would be really nice to have a suppressor you know it's one of those things where i, I eventually uh, we're going to break down and we're going to get we're going to get one i definitely want one for the 22 now i don't have none of my barrels on i've got a ruger 1022 and i've got that ruger mark ii and I don't have any, none of my barrels are set up for suppressors. Um, so I guess I would have to either get like a, just get like a threaded barrel, um, which I could probably get for relatively cheap. I mean, you know, it's, uh, they're not giving them away, of course, but I could get them. I don't know. I don't have as, as much um, knowledge of suppressors probably as I should, especially since I want one. I'm really going to need to do some research on them. But I would love to get them for the uh, the twenty twos, and you know he was saying that, that like if you wanted to even shoot like that either subsonic or maybe even shoot some of the um, the quiet ammo type stuff, and he was saying that well they're not going to really reliably cycle semi autos or maybe even not at all. When when I was shooting with her, especially at first with my daughter, now when I was shooting with her, we only wrote, loaded one round into the into the magazine. So, and now with her, we'll load maybe four or five, but I won't, I won't, I still won't load in 10. Um, 
because it's easy. It's easy for kids to get distracted and then it's easy for them to lose count of when they're shooting, of how many rounds they've got. So if you've only got one in there, they shoot one time and then, you know, you're done. Or if you, you know, if you've only loaded maybe three or four or at the most five, you know, it's easy for you to keep track of those as well as for them. Um, now with my daughter, she tries super hard and she tries, um, to do all the stuff that I tell her, you know, like, so she'll shoot and then I'll, I'll have her take her finger up off the trigger and put it on the side. Um, we'll always, you know, click it over to safe and all this other stuff, but you know, sometimes she'll forget. And a big part of that is don't jump all over them. You know, don't hammer them down just say, Oh, you know, let's, let's remember, let's do this and let's do that. And you know, don't correct them, but don't make like a big fat hairy deal out of them. So, but anyway, kind of getting back to the suppressors, I would, I would love to have, like I said, one for the 22s. I would love to have one. I've got like a Glock 17. Now I'm always going to keep that. And, um, but I am looking to get, and I, I post, I did a, a thing on, on uh, Facebook. I posted just under me, I think, uh, talking about some, the uh, rifle dynamics, uh, AKs and how I want to get one. And I'll, I'll come back to this, this stuff here in a little bit. Um, but I also want to get a, the H and K VP nine. Now, what I think is going to happen is when they come out with their, with the shorter version of it or the, the, the more their compact version, I guess, um, which is going to be me, I guess it's, I think, what was the, their terminology they had for it? Like HK VP nine SK or something like that, I think. I don't know. But anyway, I think once those come out, a lot of people that have bought the VP9, the full size, are maybe going to want to sell those. And I'm hoping I'll, if when that does, I'm hoping to get a good deal on it. Um, but I want to, I'm probably going to want to get one with a uh, threaded barrel so I can run a suppressor on them. And I've been thinking about this for a while. Then I, I, I've never shot uh, a suppressed firearm, so I don't know, uh, especially with the handgun, how it's going to change the dynamics of it. I know that it will, and I know that I'll have to kind of train with it, but my thinking behind it would be that for that home gun, that gun that you've either got by the bedside or you've got, you know, secured in the in the safe there by you, however you're going to do it, it would be nice to in addition to, you know, the light that you've got on there. Um, and I know some people are kind of iffy about the lights and this and that. Um, but I, I, I think some of the downsides that people talk about of them aren't, aren't as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Aren't as uh, show stopping or deal breaking, I guess, as, as some people, kind of make it, you know, they're saying like, well, you don't want to point, you know, if you're using that light on a gun, you're going to point it at your loved ones and blah, blah, blah. You don't, well, you don't, not really. You can, you can have that light on and you can sort of see like some of the spill light of it, if you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, there's, there's ways around that stuff. But anyway, getting back to the suppressors, I like the idea of that, of not deafening yourself or not giving yourself hearing damage because somebody comes in. Um, especially if things are going fast and, and it's just stressful and you just pick up that gun and you're, 
either barricaded in your room or if you've got kids, you know, you're going to have to get to them. If somebody's in your house, you cannot leave your kids in their room alone. Um, so anywho, it would be nice if you did ever have to discharge the gun in your house that you're not going to again, damage your hearing. Um, and that you'll be able to, uh, maybe keep, um, keep the chaos down a little, maybe one little notch or something. You know, if, if you guys, if you guys can, I think you guys understand sort of my meaning that I'm getting at. Uh, but anyway, I'd love to, um, try one out, see what I think about it, see how they, again, change the feel of the gun, how they change the weight of it, how it's going to change, you know, how you, how you move with it and everything. I'd also like to have them for, uh, my AR that I've got. I'm sure they have them for an AK. I'm sure they do. I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm woefully undereducated on suppressors. I, I understand like the theories of them and why they work and how they work. And, uh, but I've never, I don't, I just don't have any experience with them. Um, so, you know, and I, I don't know of any, of any ranges uh, that rent suppressors, you know, so that you could try them out. I don't know if they have any, I, you know, like I said, I, maybe I'll ask around or something like that. But, uh, but anyway, um, I would love to have them just because I think it's, uh, I, I think they make a lot of sense. Um, but if you guys have, if there's anybody out there that has any experience with them, uh, let me know, let me know what some of the, the pluses are to them. I think I know what most of the pluses are to them, but let me know what some of maybe the downsides are to them. Also, are there any, are there any like long term? um, Oh, like, like not necessarily maintenance issues, but after you shoot them, do they, are they going to wear out? Um, do they become less effective after long-term use or is that, you know, it, it doesn't matter type stuff. So anyway, I'd love to hear from you guys. If you guys have any, um, uh, information on suppressors, things like that. Now I know that they're, uh, what an ATF item or an NFA item. So you have to pay the tax stamp and it's per suppressor, um, and then I know there may be there may be certain things that you need to do to um, maybe like have them in a trust or something like that to where if you passed away or if something happened to you that then your wife you know since the trust owns it your wife or or you know whoever you had on the trust could also still use it the way I think that the law reads and again like I don't have a lot of education on this but I think the way that it's sort of set up is that you can loaning it to somebody isn't the same as like a transfer. So they're not taking, they're not taking like uh, ownership of it. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, I, this would be, of course, if you're at the range or if you're out shooting or something like that, somebody else could shoot that. And it's not, it's just considered, you know, that it's that it's not considered that they've, um, that they own it now or that they're in quote unquote possession of it now, that type of thing. So anyway, let me know what you guys think. So let's talk about the, uh, the rifle dynamic stuff. So I've got a couple of rifles that I, I don't really shoot them that much. They were kind of neat when I had them Well, I still got them, but they were kind of neat when I first bought them and I enjoyed them and I thought they sort of filled the niche, but 
the more I've kind of shot some of those and the more I've kind of gone back to some of the other things, I think what I want to do is kind of get down to where the rifle that I have is I've got my AR that I built that I love. I love everything about that. It's, it's like I built it the way I wanted. Um, there's only a couple more things I want to do to it. One of it is I want to get uh, a light on there. And then I had it set up, the sling, to go doing the apple seed shoot. But I want a little bit of a different sling set up. Uh, and, but that's just the case of moving a couple of things around. Um, I'm pretty happy with the Magpul grip and I'm pretty happy with the stock that I have. So I don't really see me changing it that much. Um, the optic that I've got on there, I'm happy with. I may do a thing though, where I switch off in between that and that aim point, but those are so easy to put on and so easy to kind of switch back and forth. But anyway, um, what I'd like to have is just sort of, for me, I'd like to have that AR and then I'd like to have an a, a really good high-end AK, um, one that's going to be super reliable. And I know there are some people out there who will say, well, look, man, it's an AK, and it's it's this and it's that, and you know they're going to run. You don't need to spend the high-end money to get something like a Rifle Dynamics rifle. But I, I, uh, I, I made a post on Facebook about it. If anybody had any experience with them, if anybody either owned one or maybe you shot one at a class or something like that, that somebody else had. And I just wanted to get, uh, some feedback on that. So if anybody out there has any experience with it, um, I haven't heard, I really haven't heard anything bad about their workmanship, the quality, the, the longevity of the rifles, anything like that. Um, I have, I, you know, I have an AK and I have some other things, like I said, I'm going to sell those so that I can defer some of the cost of, of, uh, buying that. And, you know, later on down the road, maybe, you know, I might get something else, but I think like with that AR that I built, I don't ever foresee myself selling that, um, you know, unless there was just dire, dire straits or something like that, but still, oh. I think I would, you know, set up a lemonade stand or something, you know, to, to get money before I would do that. I wouldn't, I would never want to get to the point to where I would disarm myself totally. And I know that sometimes circumstances in life are such that maybe you don't have any other options. You know, your option is like, you know, you need the money and you're going to have to sell what you have to get it to, you know, pay for X, you know, A, B and C. So. But anyway, uh, as long as it's is possible, I, I think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have that rifle. I really, really like it. But, uh, uh, so I'm not going to sell the AR. I'm going to keep the AR. So, but what I, I do want to have is that good, a really nice AK, one that I know that uh, from everything I've heard um, is one of the best in the, in, in the business that you can get. So anyway, uh, give me some feedback on that if you, if you guys... Uh, know of them if you have personal experience or even if you have friends that have them and kind of what they think of them and again that's uh rifle dynamics and the guy that is the head of that company is jim fuller a lot of you guys already know about him and and uh, the rifles that he makes and stuff so uh but anywho that's i think about it um did i talk about the vp9 that i wanted to get that i think i started to talk about it, then i got maybe sidetracked but anyway 
Yeah, I think I did because I talked about when the when the smaller one comes out that there may be um, some others. And I've got some money set aside for them. I've sold some things. I've got a couple other things I want to sell too to to uh, again sort of defer some of the some of the costs on that. So. All right. Well, a little earlier, I had mentioned that uh, we were had, had gone on vacation in Hawaii, and we ended up staying in uh, basically a house. We rented a house uh, from a guy and his wife, and the way that it was is you would sort of go up their driveway. There was a carport, and then the upstairs part was sort of a, uh, their, their rental thing. That's what they did as part of their business, where you had basically a, a I think it was a two-bedroom house maybe. Yeah, I think it was a two-bedroom house. And then they lived kind of on the other side of of that carport thing. And they had like a jacuzzi and an outdoor shower. And they had it all. And, of course, you could use all this stuff. And they were, you know, real nice people and everything. Um, but in a lot of, in, in places like Hawaii, they're generally nice and they're generally pretty safe. But, of course, as a out-of-state visitor there, I can't carry a firearm. I can't have a gun with me or anything like that. But there is, and it, you sort of see it a little bit in California too, uh, and, and some of the coastal places. But because, but, but especially like California um, and places like uh, the islands in Hawaii and stuff, because the weather is so nice, you know, pretty much all the time, you've got a lot of people that are either, they're either homeless or they're living kind of like, like a vagabond lifestyle, if you know what I mean. They're just sort of like wherever the wind blows them, that's that's where you go. And they're, you know, they kind of are just living by to the seat of their pants. But that's their choice. They, they don't have mental issues. They, they've just made a choice to sort of live that way. And then you also have a uh, a group of people that are mentally ill that for one way or another have ended up there in Hawaii and they're just kind of wandering around, you know, you'll see them like, and then we, where we were, we saw several and to kind of give you a little bit of a mental picture. So let's say that the house, the, 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 the driveway, let's say it faces North. Okay. And the house faces North. So if you're looking out kind of the front door, you'd be looking out, uh, you know, from that car on you'd be on top of the carport and you look down, you see the driveway and then you see a road and then across, uh, across that street is there's a, like a pathway and then there's um, houses kind of across from there. And then on the other side of those houses is basically the ocean. And let's say that is a North direction. I don't know if in reality it was, but it doesn't make any difference. So anyway, where that, so once you get across that road, you're, if you headed north, you'd go across that road. There's that little bike path. But then there's also, you know, lots of um, vegetation and stuff. It's not like super thick like a jungle, but it's it gives you, you know, it's pretty dense. So anyway, there's a bike path and people are on that bike path a lot. And the people are also walking on it. And most people there are used to, you know, people, you know, being on bikes and stuff like that. And most people, when they walk you know, you walk sort of to the far right. And that way, if you know, if bikes are coming behind you, um, it gives them room to go around you. 
So as a little bit of an aside, you know, I'm as an adult, you're, you know, if you see a homeless person, you see somebody that's not quite right. You're like, Oh, okay. You know, that's not a big deal, but I'll, you know, maybe kind of keep my eye on that person. And so you're used to it. And if they're, um, you know, acting a little odd, you know, as long as they're kind of keeping their distance from you and stuff like that, that you're, you know, you're going to be okay. And they're probably not going to cause you any trouble. And as adults, you're used to that. But as a child, a lot of times, if you haven't kind of grown up maybe in that type of a neighborhood or in that type of environment, you're not really used to that. So, you know, my daughter, if we're driving down the road, might be used to seeing somebody from inside the car who, you know, has their little cardboard sign that says, you know, you know, please help, God bless, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, she's in the car, the truck, and she's insulated from that, and I'm there with her, her mom is there with her. But she sort of knows that that person, you know, it would take a lot for that person to, to kind of get to her. But what she's not used to is she's not used to when we're walking down that bike path or when we're riding the bikes, a place where we stayed had bicycles that we could use. So when we're going down that bicycle path, what she's not used to is a guy across the street with his shirt unbuttoned screaming obscenities at nobody. Um, She's not used to people that are dressed pretty rough because they're living on the street. She's not used to those people kind of walking by her again, muttering obscenities, talking to nobody. Um, and clearly they are not, you know, she can tell from her perspective, clearly they are not normal. So anyway, we had gone across, uh, and got on that bike path and, So let's say if we went north and now we're on the bike path and we are heading west on that bike path. And so as we're going up there, there's this one guy who basically is is dressed kind of like in a rag poncho and he's just muttering to himself. And we, you know, we go by and she's kind of freaked out a little bit. She's like, oh, what is that guy? And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. He's, you know, he's just sort of off to himself. You know, he's, you know, his brain's wired a little bit different and blah, blah, blah. So. Anyway, as we go further up, there's a guy on on the south side of the road across from us. Uh, and he's at a bus stop and he is just screaming obscenities, just dropping the F-bomb like it's nothing. And it really kind of freaked her out. So anyway, we went down by this beach and uh, we went down and hung out of this beach for a little bit and then we're going to come back. So we're only maybe... A mile or we only went about a mile or so away from uh, from the house that we're staying at. So as we're coming back, I thought they were a little bit closer behind me than they were because we're on bikes. And so I'm going up and there's a guy, he's walking off to the right. And there's another guy who's who's walking on. Uh, what would be on my, on the left-hand side of the road. So I'm on my left or, and this guy is, is walking, um, uh, coming up fake, coming up towards me. There is another guy that is, oh, I don't know what this, at this point, probably 20, 30 yards up ahead of me. 
And as the guy who is walking towards me passes the guy who's walking away from me, the guy that's walking away from me just like screams something at him, just out of the blue. And the guy who was walking toward me kind of, you know, does a little bit of a double take, but he just keeps walking and the guy keeps walking. So I, I passed the guy on the bike, the, the guy who had just basically yelled something, and I recognize him. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's the dude who was across the street earlier who was basically yelling obscenities. Now, where, where, the, where the bike path is, so I go around him. I got him plenty of room. I go around him, and then where we need to go across the street is just maybe when I pass him, it's maybe about another 10 yards, so maybe about another 30 feet. And then what I do is I pull off um, kind of to the right, and I, I look back because I, I thought my wife and daughter were right behind me, but they're actually a little bit ways back. They're probably, oh, I'm, I'm bad with distances, but they're, they're maybe 50, 60 feet back or so, maybe a little bit further, I don't know. Um, and when I pass the guy, and I just I and then I, I went up ahead a little bit and then I turned off and I'm I got off the bike and I'm waiting. And when I pass the as as I've I've I'm looking back to see where they are as I as I look back, I see that the guy has cut into uh some of the vegetation there. And I think, oh, he's just gonna go across the street. But then I see him and he kind of looks at me and then he comes out and around. And at the time, you know, of course, like I said earlier, I don't have a gun, but I did take one of my knives with me. I took a, a Spyderco Endura 4, and you can just check them with you in your luggage and stuff. And I checked on and the knife laws there. Uh, I was able to carry, um, and I wasn't carrying it concealed or anything. But anyway, I had it in my, in my right pocket clipped in, and he starts coming around and it looks, he comes back around and he gets on the path and he starts walking, but he's still looking at me and I've got the bike. And then, so what I do is I just slip my hand in my, I unhook the knife and I just put my hand in my pocket over the knife. So I've got my hand on the, on the knife. And as he comes around, he's looking at me and I just kind of look at him uh, and I'm not looking at him hostile or anything, but I'm just, I just look at him and then he, and then I kind of recognize, oh, that's that dude from the bus stop. So couple that with the fact that he just screamed at that one dude and I know he was over there screaming earlier. I'm like, okay, well, and then I, I, I look back real quick and I see that my wife has kept my daughter back. She's going to let that dude get past me and then, and then they're going to come up which is what she did the right thing, which is what she should do. So as he's walking by, he says something to me and I can't, I still don't know exactly what he said, but he said something like, it sounded like you think you own the path or something. I don't, I think that's what he said, but I don't, or it could have been like, what are you doing on the path? Or something. I don't know what he said. I can't, it was something about the, about the path. So I don't know if he, you know, for, if me going around him. And again, I, I, when I, on the bike, I, I was nowhere near him. And 
I just kind of shook my head and said no. And then thinking about he'll just he'll kind of go on his merry. I just went no. And then he started to say something else, and he started walking toward me. Now, here's a little part that I left out. When he when he came around from the bushes or around the vegetation and was walking by, he I I don't know if he, because my hand was in my pocket, but I saw him. His hand immediately went into his pocket. And then you know when he asked me that, and I just said no because I didn't want to engage with him. And then he starts to say something else and he starts walking towards me. And at this point, he's probably, oh, maybe 20 feet away from me or so. And at that point, I'm like, all right, well, if I, I can't let him get any closer to me than he already is. And he may have been a little bit further away from me than he is, but coupled with what I had observed earlier i'm like this dude is crazy and i'm not gonna let him get within arm's distance of me so he's starting to say something and as he's walking toward me i kind of use that you know what they call like that command presence uh, um, where i very firmly and very loudly told him stop and then told him stay back and that kind of for whatever reason, it got through to his brain, but it stopped him. It stopped him in his tracks. And he just sort of looked at me, and then he started to say something else, and I told him very you know, clearly and loudly to leave. And then he took a step back, and... At that point, he's, he was like starting to curse me and, oh, you think you, what are you, you know, this, that, and the other thing and all this other stuff and you're, a, you know, an effing a-hole and blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I wasn't going to talk with him anymore. I was done speaking with him. And, and because he was going back, I decided I'm not going to engage him verbally at all anymore. Um but I kept, I kept my eyes on him and I didn't take my eyes off of him. And I positioned myself to where if I had to, I'd be able to strike him before he got to me. I'd make him react to me and not me react to him. So he, you know, kind of kept backing up and backing off and the whole time he was cursing and, you know, all this other stuff. And then he, you know, once he got back another probably four or five feet or so, maybe a little bit further, he turned around and, and he walked off. And then I watched him and he just, he went down the trail. But it, it it's funny, at the time, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have, I wasn't like I was scared, but I, I could feel the adrenaline. I could feel it. And the couple of times that I spoke, my voice was a little, it was different. Um, it was more gravelly, um, deeper than, than when I normally speak. Um, so, you know, it was, and the reason I tell the story isn't to say like, oh, I'm a big shot or a tough guy or anything like that. Cause it's, it's not the case, but it's just, you know, you need to be aware. You need to be, especially when you're in kind of unfamiliar surroundings or if you're in surroundings where, there are people like that that are around. 
you don't know what's going through their head. You don't know what their experiences are. You don't know what their level of aggression is. Um, but especially that the, the thing that really set off the alarm bells for me was when that dude put his hand in his pocket and I couldn't see his hand. Uh, now he was wearing kind of like light gray colored, thin, like gym short things. So the, the way that they were on him when he was walking, if he had anything in there, it probably would have been like a knife. It, his pants, his, the way the shorts were on him, it, it wouldn't, um, he wouldn't have been able to have a gun in there without it really kind of weighing down the shorts and weighing down the pocket in there. So uh, I don't think he had a firearm with him. Uh, but I was kind of in a, you know, it was in a spot really too where I, I didn't have much of a choice as far as where I could retreat to, especially with my family being in the, in the background. Um, so, but, but, you know, anyway, that was kind of one of my experiences. It really freaked my daughter out. Um, she had never seen any, she had never really seen me have any type of re of an interaction with another person like that. Um, I've talked with her before about if, you know, if something like that goes down, if something like that is going to happen, that, you know, there might be yelling, there might be this, there might be that, you know, there might be, and I didn't use these words, but, you know, there might be a physical altercation and what she should try and do. Um, but, I mean, luckily, you know, my wife was there with her and, but I mean, she, my daughter just immediately freaked out and it took her a couple of days to kind of calm everything down. And she would ask, you know, Oh, do you think that guy's around? Do you think that? And I was like, Oh no, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's just, uh, he's got mental problems and he doesn't even probably remember, you know, what happened and, you know, he's probably gone and, and that didn't really seem to reassure. So the next day I said, oh, well, you know, a guy like that, he probably got arrested and, and, you know, the police took him and he's probably in a mental hospital now where he can get help. And that seemed to kind of, you know, in her little child brain seemed to kind of help soothe her a little bit. But um, it it's a real eye opener into if something goes down, and this is something where really all, all I did was just kind of yell at a guy. Um, but it's a, it was a real eye opener in that if something does go down and it's you and your kid, boy, it's going to be a different situation than you think. Um, and luckily for me, like I said, my, my wife was with her and she was far enough back to where if something did go down, and my wife knows, all right, we leave. We turn around, we go the opposite way, and then we look for help up there. But we don't, you know, they don't come to my aid. They get they get them, and they get my daughter out of there. Um, they get her out of that situation. So, um, but it, it was definitely uh, a different experience, and it was an experience... Um, you know, when I worked, when I worked probation, um, a lot of times you get people that yell at you and they're, they're, you know, they kind of come from a violent world and, and, uh, 
you know, they yell at you, they curse at you, they do all the sorts of stuff. And then, and then, and then working in detention, you know, you would have sometimes people would attack you. Um, that, that was very rare. Usually you were breaking up other fights and stuff. So, um, but it's been a long time since I've been in that world. And so the adrenaline dump that you get or that, well, I should say that I got, uh, was, was different from the adrenaline dumps that I would get when that was more kind of like a normal situation for me, if you know what I mean. So it took me a couple of hours to, to kind of where I felt normal again. And then, um, and where I, my mind stopped, stopped trying to process it, but it took a few hours for that to sort of stop happening. And then even over the next couple of days, you know, I would think about it and I tried to think, well, what did I did? You know, what was, what could I have done differently? What did I do right? What did I do wrong? Um, one of the things that I think that I had, that, that I could have done better would have been when the guy came around, what I should have done is I had, um, so the, the, the way that I was, was facing the guy, I was, I had, I had my, basically my left hand side was toward him. So I had turned away my right side. And so I was facing him with my, with my left side out. Um, I had the, I had my hand in the pocket on the knife ready to take it out. Um, if I needed to, and I had it. And the reason I had angled myself off that way is because that it would, it would give me a, a chance to like strike with the left hand. And then I could bring in the right if I needed to, but it, it also put distance between him and the weapon that I had. Um, but I had the bike sort of behind me. So behind me on the right and probably the, a better thing to do would have been to have maybe stepped around the bike and then had the bike where I could have put my hands on the bike and then use that as a, um, as a shield almost, or as a, as a barrier is probably maybe a better word so that I could have either popped the bike up on its back tire and, you know, kind of put it in front and, and put the front of the bike towards him. Or if worse came to worse, I could have picked the bike up and thrown it at, at him and on him and tangled him up with the bike that way. Um, and then, and then exited the situation. Um, and so that, that would be probably one of the things that I think I would have done differently. The, the, the way the situation sort of presented itself, and I don't know if I've told it well enough, but the way the situation sort of prevented or presented itself was I didn't, there wasn't necessarily opportunities for me to, extra extra take uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, I know I'm saying it wrong anyway there wasn't a way for me to exit that situation uh, or extract myself maybe that's sort of from that situation without uh, maybe putting myself in a uh, at a disadvantage for how that situation was going to play out. So anyway, um, enough of that kind of rambling on it sort of, it sort of does bring into mind, 
you know, a little bit of a, a lot of times when we talk about being aware and if something happens, we talk about running scenarios and doing kind of what ifs like, or if then situations in our, in our head. So if this happens, then I do that. If this happens, then I do this. And if that happens because of that, then I'm going to do that. And I think those are, those are valuable things. And, you know, during my, you know, yelling at that guy, basically, I don't want to make more out of it than it was, but I don't want to minimize it either. But during my encounter, I guess we'll, we'll say that, um, a lot of the things that, um, that some of the training that I've had, some of the stuff that I learned at mag 40, uh, a lot of the, the videos that I watch from some of the good trainers, you know, things like, um, the best defense, uh, like I'm, like I mentioned, uh, Massad's class, mag 40, things like that. A lot of that stuff pop back into your head, um, you know, about, you know, doing stuff like, you know, strong verbal commands. Um, and even some of the, the, you know, even though the training was kind of crud that I got when I was back in probation, some of that stuff kind of came back. And I think part of one of the reasons while I had the adrenaline going, but while I was relatively calm with it was because it was something that I had been in before. It was a situation or similar situations that I had been in before. Um, so I, I wasn't asking myself questions like, Oh, why is this guy doing this? Or why is this guy doing that? I, you know, I was more like, okay, I'm going to deal with the situation. But anyway, a lot of times, you know, when we were, we were running certain different scenarios and stuff in our head and we're doing things like that, I think it, it's good to say kind of the what if thing is good. Um, sometimes though, once, uh, an encounter or a situation has passed, a lot of times you can kind of, if only yourself to death, like, well, if only we had gotten there five minutes earlier or five minutes later, we wouldn't have been around that dude. If only, you know, we had maybe crossed the street earlier, if only, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And you can kind of get to a point where you'll maybe beat yourself up a little bit with that. Um, if only's I think are, are. Initially, maybe they could do you a little bit of good, but if you dwell on them, I, I don't think they give you, I don't think they, they teach you a lot or I don't think you can learn a lot from them because really a lot of times when you, when you, if only yourself, as opposed to if then, you know, if this happens, then I'll do that. Um, you sort of turn, turn like some of the blame, you know, more on yourself, if that makes any sense. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I know what I mean in my head, but I don't know if it's coming out right. Um, but you, you can't really change anything that's already happened. You can try and learn from it. So what you can say is instead of saying, well, geez, if only I had done this or if only I had done that, what you can say is, well, maybe next time, if this happens, then I'll do that. If A happens, then I'll do B. And if B doesn't work, then I'll do C. If C doesn't work, then I'll do D. And if D, and I'll go all the way down to Z if I have to. But I'll have I'll have something worked out for me. So anyway, guys, I think I have uh, babbled on long enough. Um, I do want to give a few shout outs. Uh, as always, go over and listen to uh, the Road Gunner. 
Um, I think uh, John over at uh, was it Gunfighter Cast put out a podcast not too long ago. I know Daniel's been doing some videos, um, so go ahead and give him. Uh, I think it's a he's doing stuff with Funker Tac Funker Tactical now. I think is the name of it. Um, but go ahead and give those. I um, I like Daniel as a trainer. I, I've, I've unfortunately not been able to meet him in person. I've kind of talked with him on the show. I've had him on there a couple, you know, and I'd like to have him on again. Uh, I'd love to be able to go train with him. I don't know if I'll be able to do that in 2015. I am uh, planning on trying to do that in 2016, depending on his schedule and what he's doing and that type of stuff. So I may, I may try and get out to Kansas to do some training with him. Or if he does something maybe uh, closer, like if he does some stuff up in Utah again, I may try and go up and through there. Uh, so anyway, but uh, give those guys a listen. Um, there's Ken and Brian over at Modern Rifleman Radio. Ken is so super busy with um, his gunsmithing stuff, and I'm uh, I, I'm I'm uh, proud of him that he's doing that and that he, he went after something that he wanted to do. So kudos to you, Ken. Uh, but, um, they've got a good, uh, back catalog. There's a show, I think it was Brian and Trevor did about, uh, like kind of shooting fundamentals and, and kind of how the body reacts, which is one of my favorite shows. Um, both he, both, uh, um, uh, Brian and Trevor have a lot of knowledge. Um, and, uh, uh they're, they're, it's worth, we tease them a lot, but you know, it's all in good fun type stuff. But, uh, I know I'm leaving out a bunch of shows, um, but I'm getting kind of tired. So who else am I leaving out? Oh, um, give, uh, Doc Wesson's show, um, the gun nation, give that, uh, a listen. There's tons of good stuff over there. Um, you've got, uh, Paul is on there. Um, is it Melanie or Melody? Melanie, I think. I don't know, but anyway, she's got lots of good ideas. She's really she's new to the to doing the show with them. She's been around firearms for a while for a while now. Um, lots of good ideas. Uh, you got Grant is over there Cunningham. Um, a lot of good knowledge with that. You got if you're interested in older stuff, you got Ian, um, who does like the, I think that was the forgotten weapons and stuff like that. But anyway, there's a lot of good knowledge over there, a lot of good things and they, they joke around and have some fun, but you can get a lot of good information from those guys. So anyway, um, don't hold your breath, but I may be putting out an armed ape episode, uh, sometime this week, especially since kiddo is going to be gone at camp. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it. I don't have anything else. No, I think that's it. All right. Take care, everybody. I'll talk to you next time.